Test, test. Yep, levels look okay. One reason I'm really excited to come to Auckland and do the show is because I'll be there on my birthday. So obviously the basement will be buying me a cake or, you know. <laughs> I tend to refer to myself as a stay-at-home artist because I think that's quite funny. I always just sort of break it down, just say I, I work in the theatre and sometimes I work in film, and sometimes I write, sometimes I act, sometimes I produce. If you tell people that you're an actor, quite often people go, have I seen you in anything? You're like, no, come to my show. (laughs) Kia ora, namaste and welcome to Disruptors, a podcast produced by Basement Theatre in collaboration with ReNews. This is a podcast where we talk to the artists that have been programmed at Basement about themselves, their work and all things art and beautiful. My name is Nisha Madhan. I'm the programmer here at Basement in Auckland and I'm your host for this episode which accompanies two solo shows written and performed by Wellingtonian artists Jean Sargent and Sarita So. Both of these are autobiographical works that tease out the ways in which performance can tap into and transform the past, present and future feelings of grief and trauma. Change Your Own Life by Jean is a comedic, cosmic and mystic account of the death of two loved ones. And Sarita's digging to Cambodia draws on her Cambodian heritage and asks just how far the memories of the Cambodian genocide in the 1970s can travel. So full disclosure, I wasn't actually there for this conversation. I was off getting vaccinated for COVID-19, um, which in a time where both of these works are still kind of hanging in the balance of whether a lockdown might happen or not felt, I don't know, kind of urgent, but also very lucky. We've just been through several lockdowns and we've experienced so much kind of hopelessness and loss in the arts world. But on the brink of this conversation, I certainly felt a jab of hope straight to the arm. So I listened to Sarita and Jean a day later and I thought a lot about how much their stories were burning within them and how long they were burning within them for. And I thought about the care and the wisdom that these two women bring to their relationship with themselves, their audiences, their processes and of course their work. Awesome. Well, my name is Jean Sargent. I'm an actor and writer and visual artist. And my work, Change Your Own Life, which I'm bringing to the basement in April, is an exploration of grief and grief recovery through a kind of mystic, comedic lens. Um, I tend to make a lot of autobiographical work that has a lot of mysticism and um, spiritual aspects and elements and influences to it. Um, Yeah, that's me. Uh, hi, I'm Sarita and I'm a Cambodian-born New Zealander. Um, I do a lot of work that I guess is influenced by my own culture, being Cambodian. Um, and yeah, this work is probably my most personal piece of work um, and it has evolved into being a personal piece of work. Um, but yeah, basically it explores, I guess, the Khmer Rouge and the genocide um, that happened in Cambodia and as well as um, my parents' experiences of it because I was obviously, I was born here, so luckily I didn't go through that. But um, it's, yeah, it's based on their stories and memories and um, I guess I'm always wondering whether that kind of experience and trauma can be passed on like whether you experienced it or not but yeah that's what I'm exploring. It struck me that both Jean and Sarita have made two incredibly personal pieces of theatre here 
they're both intimately tied up in their lives and that can be really tricky. They have to tread this line between being relevant and relatable and being self-indulgent. And they've had to put good care in place for themselves so that they don't allow the experience of reliving these moments and these memories unravel them. I listen to them talk about how to approach making this type of work and about centering the relationship between them and their audience as a strategy for it. Like offering as much care to their audience is just as important as the amount of care they offer towards themselves. Yeah, so I would say that personal stories, if they're meant to be written by you, have a way of making them, getting themselves out. When I started writing Change Your Own Life, before it had a title, it was just kind of, uh, the inspiration was being at the Melbourne Fringe Festival and seeing some solo shows and going, I reckon I could do this. I reckon I've got something that, in, in a way it was me going, well, it doesn't. sometimes it doesn't seem that difficult to fill 45 minutes, but actually to do it well and to really invest in it, I'm up, I'm up for the challenge. Because I've done a lot of theatre over the last 16, 17 years, but I'd never done a solo work before. So I started it by making a list of all of the really weird things that have ever happened to me, um, just to kind of see what there was in there. And a, some parts of the list were kind of quite dark stuff that I was like, eh, I don't think this is what I really want to talk about. Some of the stuff on the list was kind of strange, mystical things, um, experiences with uh, shaman in different countries and, yeah, different sort of spiritual and spiritualistic, uh, spiritual adjacent um, experiences. And then as I started to kind of write and figure out, okay, so I've got this list in my notes app, but what actually wants to come out, it, it was and it should have seemed totally obvious to me that I was going to end up writing about my friend Michael who died suddenly in um, 2016 and then the death of one of my siblings nine months later. Like it should have been totally obvious to me mm. that this cornerstone, these two events that are so intrinsically linked would be the story that I needed to tell. But um, it didn't that wasn't obvious to me straight away. It was when I started writing that I was like, oh yeah, everything that I've got to say right now actually comes back to surviving grief. Yeah, um, I yeah, I guess in terms of approaching the personal work, I never set out for this because this is a piece that I obviously started working on when I was at Toy in my last year. Um, and at that time it was... Um, you know, I was in my twenties, and I wanted to be taken seriously as an actor. You know, I, I, you know, I was trying to put out political work, but um, I realised, you know, several years later that it was like, what was missing was, I guess, some vulnerability in that, um, and that the the personal was missing. Um, but so also, they're just questions that I've just always had about life and about my parents' lives, and um, yeah. So I guess that's how, it, but I, I implemented the personal aspect of it but in regards to like I think part of your question was um, how do you take care of yourself when you're 
when you're doing personal work? Um, <laughs> I really don't know. I feel like it's sort of like maybe I just come from the school of hard knocks or I don't know what, you know, it's a generational thing and you just do what you have to do to get it done. But also, I mean, I'm, I'm working with my uh, husband on this, Natano Kenny, and he's um, my director. So, you know, I guess being his wife, he has to be nicer to me sometimes um, <laughs> and more patient. But then also he's the most, he'll demand the most of me at the same time. So he's like the meanest guy and then also but he'll he'll take care of me and make sure that I'm okay at the end of the day and if I just need a day's rest it's like that's what's going to happen it's sort of like you know when it's a solo show you got to you got to check in with yourself and be like what do you need you know you got to ask yourself those questions at the end of the day one thing that I think it's quite easy for people to say about a show with a premise like mine has of kind of revisiting um, two traumatic deaths in my life is to kind of go well is it going to is it art as therapy and it's not and the reason it's not is because the only reason that the art is able to be made and able to be art and stand alone is because I've had therapy you know the art is the product of the therapy it's not the therapy itself and being able to be vulnerable to explore these stories that are so intrinsic to my my biography um, in a safe way it's really important that I can do that with a solid grounding in myself so that the audience can experience the catharsis of the piece for themselves without feeling that they need to look after me because mm. um, it's all very well and good to kind of to bear your heart but my first responsibility when I'm on stage is to the audience um, and to making them safe and comfortable. So where it, when it comes to looking after myself in the creative process, I've got that grounding of the, the grief doesn't re-traumatise me um, and also that I'm quite kind to myself in a working process. I'm quite forgiving of myself. I have to, I have to be quite proactive with myself to actually say you know it's fine you don't have the energy to work right now so you just don't do it it'll get done um but I have kind of spiritual systems and self-care systems that I use I've also been uh I've also been um kind of provoked and invited by different people to start doing workshops around creative self-care with autobiograph creative self-care with autobiographical writing and so because I've been invited to kind of take responsibility for communicating those systems to other people it's really helped me to drill down and figure out what those systems are and when I've got it kind of obviously in front of me that I refer back to te whare tapafa if I'm ever worrying about my own safety or my my overall well-being that I use tarot that I use different um, techniques from Julia Cameron and the artist way to sort of reground myself in what I'm doing because there can there's a danger when you're doing autobiographical work that you can re-traumatize yourself there's a danger when you're doing autobiographical work that has really deep and serious subject matter that you're going to be hurting your own feelings all the time and um, like I said before the relationship with the audience is 
the has to be the first priority. Or I look, other performers might feel differently, but for me, my first priority on stage is my relationship to my audience. It's to give it it's giving them the best product that I can give them in that moment. It's letting them in on what's going on and giving them the space to appreciate, enjoy and work through it themselves. And um, I think to be in that place where I can take responsibility for them means that, um, yeah, I just have to have scaffolding when I when I go on stage. I just have to have internal scaffolding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mostly that kind of thing. And sometimes it's like, I don't know whether I'm the best person for this job. Like, obviously, there's something in me that wants to um, continue push, putting it out there. Um, but yeah, it's um, sometimes it's like that thing where you just got to be your own superheroes because they don't exist otherwise, you know? Yeah. There's just nothing like live performance to experience as a performer. There's nothing like the high of it. There's nothing like the connection. Um, and I really thrive off of the the adrenaline and the excitement and the vibe and the energy. I've done a lot of direct address work in my life, whether it's in Shakespeare or in kind of more Brechtian style of working. And so when it came to making Change Your Own Life, I knew that the audience, that it was going to be me and the audience in it together because the audience completes the the relationship. And acting and performing live gives me more juice than any other kind of art form or um, creative enterprise that I am a part of or have been a part of. It's a big risk. It's a slightly... It can be a slightly uncomfortable experience. It can be an incredibly uncomfortable experience for some people. Um, It's about intimacy and boundaries at the same time. And, yeah, I I don't know. For me, it's so second nature to be on stage and to be performing and to be engaging with people in that way that I sort of can't necessarily define why it is that I'm drawn to it. Um, yeah, there just there just is nothing else like it, and the rush of it, and the engagement with the audience, and the relationship building in it is just phenomenal. This relationship with the audience can feel so precarious. It's like a knife edge sometimes as to whether a performance lives or it dies. I loved listening to these two seasoned pros talk about whether there was a point where performers come to love the perceived failed nights, you know, the ones where the audience doesn't really feel on board or doesn't laugh as much. Do they love those nights as much as they love the nights where the sparks fly? I mean, that's that's very, very philosophical. I think there comes a point where you learn to block out the failed nights and you just yeah. kind of, in, yeah, you induce some subtle amnesia in yourself because if you're going to keep doing it, you have to have that resilience for it because failing on stage is really uncomfortable and awful and part of the dynamic of being a live performer 
is learning that the work you're doing depends on the relationship with the audience because the audience response is going to feed the performance in the moment. It's also going to change how you think of the success of the work. Like, I did a seven-night season in the 2020 Fringe Festival at BATS of Change Your Own Life, and all uh, six out of seven of those nights the laughs were fairly predictable because the show even though it's about trauma and it's about death and it's about grief it's really funny I want to (laughs) impress upon people that they will laugh at at my sad show um but one night the audience was really somber and I couldn't stop the internal monologue that was going they hate it they hate Mm. it they hate it just get through it just get through it And then after the show, a friend of mine who was in the audience, who gets name-checked in the show as well, um, he was crying and he hugged me and he was like, that was so good, that was so good. And I was like, oh, no, it wasn't. And he was like, yes, it was, it was. Just because you didn't feel that it was the best doesn't mean that the audience feeling and, and experience of it wasn't unique and perfect and just right for that time. So, yeah, that's why I think... I work so hard to make myself comfortable with building a relationship with the audience is because um, I want them to trust me and I need to trust them. Both of these shows have been on a real journey. For Sarita, it's tied into working closely with her husband and allowing the show to evolve over a long period of time there was a lack of vulnerability in it. Um, but also like I think of you like, there's the way that you approach your different shows like some shows are really good like an example like of a of you as an artist that's like a time capsule and it's almost like some plays you don't want to touch again because you go well that was who I was at you know 20 and um and I want to I don't want to if I even if I could edit it I wouldn't because that stands as as a symbol of me at that time whereas this is a show that um as I age and evolve it constantly changes too so like um, my my world view you know I was obviously a bit more cynical in my 20s and sort of coming around full circle I feel like it's I could visit again maybe in my 60s and I wonder how then it would evolve you know um, yeah, so definitely it's a growing, changing beast all the time. And I love that it's an op- I always have the opportunity to keep working on it. It's just something that will never finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for Jean, the journey of writing this show may be shorter, but the experience that led to the work has unfolded over just as long a time. Yeah, totally. So I've performed the show three times in Wellington, a um, seven-day season in the Fringe Festival just before... Uh, the first lockdown last year, um, which was brilliant because I had this space to uh, explore and to invite the audience in for the first time with it and to test it out. And it was just really cathartic and moving and fun and enjoyable experience. Really, really great. Um, uh, It's Wellington's my my place. Uh, Wellington is also the city where the two loved ones of mine who are in who I talk about in the show, it's where they died. So there are some um, specific uh, geographical mentions in there um, that I think when you 
perform something in a place and you reference that place, people kind of feel a, a sense of warmth towards it as well. They kind of go, oh, I know where that is. Or, um, But also my friend Michael, who, who passed in 2016, a lot of his friends saw the show. And so there was a catharsis in that as well and a relationship between myself and audience members who were, who remain loved ones of Michael's. Um, and because it's a very personal show and it is, it's more about me than it is about them. Um, sorry, where was I going with that? Because it's a very personal show and it's more about me than than it is about Michael or about my sibling, um, it, there's a kind of familiarity being exposed there as well and audiences who have seen me in other things coming to see it maybe experiencing a sort of frisson of seeing the, the characterizations leave and the person being there and being really, really vulnerable. Um, I then did the show as a live stream for Bats at the very, very end of Level 2. In fact, I think it was the first day that we went back to Level 1 after the lockdowns. And that was phenomenal. Performing it for cameras and also with a small live audience was another test of the work and got a really, really good response as well. Like for, for a streaming show, it got a large audience around the world as well, which was really, really awesome. This is the first time out of their hometown in Wellington for these shows. And so we asked Jean and Sarita about what they were most looking forward to about coming up to Auckland and what they wished for you, their audiences, to experience. I'm really looking forward to doing the show again. I'm looking forward to connecting with Auckland audiences and Auckland practitioners and um, feeling the show a year on since the first time I made it and feel the way that it that it has evolved or the way that my relationship to it has evolved. I, I agree. It's sort of like the opportunity to meet yourself again and, you know, you set up these stupid challenges that you just like, you think look cool when you want to try to do them. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm not in my 20s anymore, let's face it. Like, it's like, it's so funny because at the time when you're in your 20s, you're never happy about anything. It's always mm. sort of like, I'm not skinny enough, I'm not physically fit enough. And, you know, I was there were so many... Th- ifs and buts about it and I go back and look at it now I'm like that was great like why weren't mm. you happy and now mm. I'm here I'm like oh my gosh like it feels like you're so far from what that was already that it's always an opportunity to challenge yourself again yeah I think the audience experience for change your own life is like being in a like being in a healing session um bring your bring your rose quartz and grab a glass of wine and sort of sit down with me and feel a kind of a catharsis. Um, lo- lots of laughing, little bit of crying, and just, I think, I hope, and a lot of audiences have said this to me, that they leave feeling kind of released from things. So think about it as like a little uh, little, little group therapy sesh. It's going to be a silly, funny journey um, and also um, maybe hopefully they'll feel moved, you know? Like, it's just an opportunity to come and see the story because you don't, and I don't even know if a Cambodian uh, play has ever been put on, in, you know, in the basement before. So um, it's so rare that it happens. Like, come and share it with me. 
Both Jean and Sarita tap into some of my favourite ever things in the world. Personal storytelling with big political ramifications, subconscious playgrounds, healing, laughter, dreamy, mystic undertones. So of course, we just had to know, if the show was a star sign, what sign would it be? I'm not as well versed in this kind of thing as Jean, but I would say that my show would be um, a Gemini if it was anything. Yeah. <laughs> I would say change your own life is a Libra sun with an Aries rising and a Gemini moon. Absolutely. <laughs> Digging to Cambodia by Sarita So plays at the basement from the 23rd to the 27th of March. And Change Your Own Life by Jean Sargent plays from the 13th to the 17th of April with Jean's birthday falling on the 15th. Happy birthday, Jean. A massive thank you to you, our listeners at home, to Francis Morton and the team at ReNews, to our collaborators Kate Orgis and Joel Mulholland, and the Basement Theatre team. Most importantly, thank you to our speakers Jean Sargent and Sarita So. My name is Nisha Madan, and it's been a pleasure to have been your host. Disruptors can be found on all podcast platforms wherever you get it, and look out for our next live recording of the show. Thank you. Ka kite. Yay! Thank you. Thanks for having us. <laughs>